0: Hello and welcome to The Maidcast, the official podcast of the Museum of Art and Digital Entertainment, a series of lectures on video game history as part of The Made's ongoing effort to preserve history through teaching and displaying playable exhibits of rare games and consoles.
1: As we approach our grand reopening, the support of people like you has enabled us to continue to bring history to you through lectures
2: and interviews like the one you'll hear in a few minutes. I'm Red. I'm Miles. And I'm Chin. Today, Red sat Down with Ray Wilson. CEO of Atari to talk about Atari XP and game preservation.
1: This was a very, this is a great interview. We had him talking about Atari XP, which is their, like you'll listen, you'll hear about it in the interview, but they're releasing some uh, previously unreleased games on physical Atari cartridges, and uh, it's it's very exciting, uh, as well as uh, Wade's enthusiasm for uh, game preservation job and very tight into the museum. So we'll have some exciting things to talk about. But first, I think we have a bit of news to get into. Not too much this week.
0: That's right. Big deal in the in the games industry. Raven Software employees have become the first union accepted at Activision Blizzard and only the second video games union in America.
1: That's that is very exciting. Um yeah, getting unionized in these Getting unionized in the gaming industry is, I think, something that kind of should have been happening for a very long time. The insecurity of certain positions and everything is very scary. Uh, But this is great news. Congratulations, Raven Software.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, In other news, early access game V Rising, a sort of vampire survival crafting, base building, collect-em-up game, Mm -hmm. sort of with uh, gameplay similar to uh, Diablo... Uh, sort of a top-down action RPG kind of game, mm. has been in early access for about a week at this point and has just sold 1 million copies. Wow, that's
1: that's incredible. That's huge. <laughs>
2: that's a lot. It's, it looks like it just hit right on the point on what kind of genre of game would be very popular these days. Yeah, yeah, it
1: ticks all the boxes. Yeah, I might have to... Hmm. We'll see. I might have to check that out. Maybe my Kirby purchase wasn't the right one. Uh,
2: <laughs> what do you mean? Kirby's I mean uh, yes, it, Kirby is
1: great. I mean, yes, Kirby is great. I love it. And fun? we'll talk about it later. But it, no, it, I love it. I love it. But this game just also sounds right up my alley. Uh, <laughs> Come on, Kirby Red. is. I know. We'll talk about Kirby. It's great. I love it. It's fun. <laughs> uh, in other news, uh, No Man's Sky is getting a new uh, expedition, uh, and they're bringing space whales. They're bringing space whales. I
2: believe so. that looks more like a kraken to me.
1: Yes, yeah, it's it is definitely doesn't look like a whale. It's more tentacles, and then yeah, tentacles with a skull. Uh, but it it'll be fun. I think it might be my reason to get back in after everything else they've done. I mean, it's huge. Uh, yeah,
0: you see space whales in a lot of games. It feels like a very a very sort of tried and true fun trope, like just having a yeah. big. A big space monster that swims around and doesn't do much yeah it,
1: it's a good aesthetic it's a good aesthetic i mean there also is apparently like this uh you have to fix the time loop another good trope hmm. it's always I, I don't know it takes both to both exciting boxes of my Trek mind
2: it does sound ex- exciting
1: yeah the last little bit of thing that i thought was Cool. Now is uh, Nino Cooney Crossworlds is out available on mobile in North America as of today, as of this recording.
2: It's a game. It's a game uh, made by the collaboration of Netmarble and Level Five, and um, it is also a game that brought out a lot of old vibes of MMORPG. It it um, honors the system of guild. I think they call it. It's more mm-hmm. like a country system. So there will be wars between country and country. Hmm. and a lot of old fantasy of MMORPG in this game.
1: Yeah, it might be the first big download for me on my phone because I haven't played very many games, but I'm very excited about this.
0: I was looking on their website, and there is a way to play on your computer.
2: I, f- I feel like more and more mobile games nowadays have have such an attempt like the Genshin Impact and a lot of mm-hmm. other Games, they tend to have more demanding for uh, the spec of your machine. So they also decided to make um, a PC version or maybe a console version.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: I think it's about time we get it on over to my interview with Wade Rosen. Uh, I think you all will, I think everybody will like this one very much. And we're Mm -hmm. very excited to have Wade on. Uh, Thanks very much for being on. And welcome back to the Maidcast. I am here with special guest, Wade Rosen, the CEO of Atari. Welcome, Wade.
3: Hey, thanks. Thanks for having me.
1: So, uh, a main thing that we're going to be talking about today is a special, uh, a special new project from Atari that uh, ties in well with our museum's mission, uh, that being Atari XP, but... Let's get a little. Let's get to know you a little bit before we go on with everything else. So, as per the maids' original rules, what is your favorite game?
3: Oh, I've got a pretty firm top five, but I think the game that was the most influential in my life was Dragon Warrior Four on the Nintendo. Mm. Back before it had been rebranded as Dragon Quest, so it was still mm-hmm. Dragon Warrior Four. And uh, a friend of mine had got his gotten his hands on it at some at some point, and I think he had a mail order for it. And uh, he loaned it to me, and it blew my mind. I didn't even think I liked RPGs. I didn't really know what they were, and I played that, and it showed me what character development and story and and uh, just this ability to like inter to overlap and interlock all these these different narratives could be in a game. It showed me what a game could be, and I think it, it really started my my love for for games and narrative and character driven games.
1: Fantastic. I'm sure there's a lot of uh. I have one of our other co-hosts I'm sure is going to be very happy to hear that news. <laughs> also, what have you been playing currently? Anything that's new that's been catching your, yeah. catching
3: your eye? It's not new, but I missed it when it came out. And for whatever reason I picked up Returnal recently mm. and just been loving that. I mean, it's, you know, there's always these, there's some games you play and you enjoy them and there's some you kind of try and you're like, eh, not for me. And then there's the ones that, you look forward to at the end of the day that you're kind of thinking about throughout the day. And you're like sort of Mm -hmm. thinking about what you'll do or, or how you'll tackle it when you get to play it again. And Returnal is definitely one of those I have. It's, it's like given a lot and it's provided a lot of like joy and entertainment over the past week or so. And, and just really loving that world and being in it and being grateful it got made.
1: For me as well, that was one that I've been that I've had my eye on. I know it just it, it kind of
3: snuck by, and then somebody brought it up again. I'm like, you know what? I should try it. It's really glad I did. It's just super fun.
1: That's exciting to hear. So now we know a little bit about your uh, current gaming tastes. Thank you. Uh, well, let's get into talking about Atari XP and yeah. what exactly this is and how exciting this is. So. Atari XP is releasing physical Atari 2600 cartridges of previously unreleased titles.
3: That's correct. I mean, it is. it will be more than just unreleased titles. So at the moment, the the cards that have been put out are unreleased titles, um, titles that, yeah, never had a formal release, were oftentimes being worked on at various stages um, throughout Atari's life cycle. Uh, But there will most likely also be uh, new titles and and uh, commemorative ones as well. You know, as of right now, the games that have been put out are games that were created at various points throughout the Atari life cycles and and for whatever reason didn't see the light of day or didn't see the light of day officially um, through Atari. And that's kind of where it starts, though. But the idea, you know, it, it begins there, but the hope is that it actually will be putting out new content and uh, commemorative content as well as some of these lost classics and uh it's on a more fundamental level it's a way for us to bridge the past and the present and um i mean we we view these these older platforms not as dead hardware and and dead ecosystems but as living ecosystems and a way to to continue to support those um as the popularity to develop on these older platforms is just continue to increase for a number of reasons
1: absolutely i mean it's it was, it's also just such an, I mean, for us at the museum, it's really important to showcase that where everything started. And the Atari 2600 was the like most popular system that basically ignited the American video gaming uh, world as we know it today, yeah. as far as like home gaming goes. So the three unreleased titles that are currently being launched right now, we have uh, it's Yars Return saboteur and aquaventure correct
3: those are the three
1: so can you uh tell us a little bit about uh is there any particular one that you're most excited about or is it just blankets excited about yeah i mean
3: they're all pretty interesting um you know just because of and they're they're all they all have their own mysteries and and stories around them so in their in their own way they all they all have like a, a pretty interesting past. I think Saboteur might be my personal favorite, just because the you know, it's a late it's a very late in life 2600 game written by Howard Scott Warshaw, who's, you know, just this this really prolific creator. And so you can see everything that he'd learned and all it, you can just see all of the creative steps that had led to that. And I, I think it was kind of the culmination. Mm-hmm. It also was a part of the Yars universe. Um you know, a side story, if you will. And so it, it, yeah. it helps flesh that out, which is always pretty cool. And a really, you know, one of the more beloved IPs. And it just, it, it's multi-stage and and challenging and the colors and the aesthetics are, are really vibrant, much like yours. So I, I think that mm-hmm. would probably be my favorite. Um, I do think Aqua Venture is interesting just because it showed up out of nowhere and it's tough as nails. and And like, there's a mystery yeah. around that, that we're still trying to, solve and unwrap and and like continue to work on to this day so that's got it so they all yeah they're all like cool in their own right and that's that's one of the requirements for releasing these titles is that they they should be out there they should be released officially by atari because they do have some notable place in history and and that's that's one of the the goals with xp is to to make them more available
1: yeah, like another like really interesting thing about all these original games, like especially like Aqua Venture too. The the story behind Aqua Venture was essentially that it was a created IP that was forgotten about. You no, know, like zero memos in like historical contexts with regards to Atari. Like zero mention of it, and then it showed up what like twenty nineteen or something, like out of the blue at like a flea market.
3: <laughs> I, I was it I, was it twenty nineteen. I thought it was a little bit. But it was, you know, within the modern... Maybe like, space. yes, maybe like 09 or something. Yeah, but it, something like that. Yeah. Pre,
1: like, came out just as like a prototype that was like at like a flea market. <laughs> yeah. At the museum, the main goal is to showcase playable exhibits of these games on original hardware with like original TVs of, of the era that we can actually, that we have access to. So actually being able to, play some of new games yeah. of the era. It's nice to see nice to be able to bring that to the public and not necessarily just with within smaller like homebrew groups or anything right. else. This is being more public and available to a lot of other people.
3: For us it's part of a larger initiative to continue to support these ecosystems, to view them as ongoing, you know, living ecosystems and not dead platforms or or consoles and and continue to support them and and build them and, and grow them over time. I don't think the the desire what people call the desire for retro or nostalgia I don't view as a fad. In fact, I think it's really a desire for simplicity and that's because we live in a complex world and it's continuing to get more complex and we want what we don't have and and so designing and creating and playing within these spaces I think is what people want.
1: I I agree. I mean, I think I, I agree with the need part as well. I mean, Going back to the original games, they were games. They didn't necessarily need to be a fully immersive world. It's just very exciting to see that you guys are taking the, the whole preservation aspect to the forefront as well. What are some of like Atari's projects about preservation and what have you guys been uh, working on? internally or externally, about the legacy of Atari?
3: Yeah, I mean, we, we have a tremendous amount in the works. Unfortunately, I'm probably not gonna be able to reveal too much here. You know, what I can provide is more high-level thoughts around where we view our role in it. And, and you know, I, I, think, I think right now it's beyond preservation of the initial titles. So there's, different people want different levels of authenticity when they play a game. Some people want to play it on the original TVs of the era, like you mentioned, with the carts, with the, the consoles of that time, mm-hmm. and that's what they desire. Other people uh, want to use the carts, but they want to use a system that has an HDMI output and can be played on modern consoles, and isn't going to go through a lot of um, you know through that butchering that is like digital up-resing through their television. Mm-hmm. And then others are fine with emulation and are okay playing emulated versions on their on their Switch or perhaps other consoles if if it was you know easily and readily available and and our hope and goal is to provide something for all of those users so really d- depending on what your level of authenticity and need for authenticity is that there's something to support you and i think that's that's what's been really hard in the 2600 community is you know these are machines they wear out they 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 break down over time and we haven't been able to replace them and and provide things that can can sub in for those and that can still work with modern architecture so so touching all of those those places and making sure that that people with different degrees of of authenticity need are serviced. that's going to continue to go forward and be expanded
1: that's very exciting there's one other thing that i wanted to ask so with these new cartridge releases with uh, the experience like the announcement of atari xp which are available for pre-order now yes on atari xp.com
3: they are that's the first set and in- there'll be more coming and, and we're really building out and expanding that program as we speak.
1: With the release of these uh, new cartridges, is there gonna be talks in the works about releasing like an updated version of the original hardware?
3: My team would probably be upset with me if I, if I uh, spoke too much about it, but what I would say is that I think on that, that spectrum of needs that different people have for authenticity, that's one of the gaps in the market for a lot of hardware for the 2600 but for for a lot of hardware if you play, you know, Nintendo Super Nintendo Genesis, you're fine but you know, if anything outside of that, it's it's tough, you know. I mean, a Game Boy and even now turbografx 16 with with analog pocket probably you're okay but
1: For the amount of things that we have, I think we have one we have one Odyssey, but because we only have one of them, we are hesitant to put it out on display for people to actually get their hands on even with our 2600s it's hard to maintain we have a few backups that we can maybe potentially mutilate <laughs> for spare parts
3: <laughs> and that's what it's turned into cannibalization of the existing consoles
1: just to maintain it and to bring it back what are your thoughts about like the emulation side of things
3: yeah i think touching on what we talked about before that there's there's different levels of need and authenticity for different types of players. I think most people are going to be okay with emulation. I um, have a CRT television behind me. You know, I try to use that for for, you know, my Sega Saturn and my Super Nintendo and all I'm, you know, I I do really enjoy that authenticity. It's probably more in my, <laughs> my head than anything else, but but for me, it's important, but it's, I re- also recognize that it's, it's probably not going to be. So much like you were saying, hey, you had this exhibit, and there you wanted people to see what it was like to play these games on televisions of that era. There is a time and a place for that. But at the same time, you can't always have that be the experience. And so having systems that export to HDMI, and, and you know, you can run carts that'll go onto a modern HDMI television, might get a lot of use in the museum on a regular day and then for everybody else and how most people will want to consume it is through emulation. I think, I think my main complaint with emulation today, isn't that, I mean, I, I personally agree it's important. I think it's critical. Um, I think people are really hard on, on the past for not preserving these things. But if you think about it, you know, 20 years ago, what we wanted mirrored what we didn't have. And we, you know, society was like drastically more simple. So we yearn for something more complex. So it didn't there didn't seem to be a need to save these simple things? There wasn't a desire for that. It's not just that it's preserving what came before, but I think what we're seeing now is, oh no, wait. Sometimes I mean, I love my PS Five, but it's sometimes I don't have the energy to fire it up. Yeah. Sometimes I <laughs> I don't want to play Elden Ring. To your point, like it's just it's yeah. it's not what I need. Not what I need right then and and so. That's never. I don't. I just don't think that's going to change. As like we have more and more information and content hitting us all the time, I think we're gonna want things that are simpler and more meaningful. So it now we recognize that now we're doing what we can to preserve and, and that's nobody's fault. That's just a reality. Like just like we didn't expect society to evolve into what it did. So now we're we're looking at those things and we view the past with more reverence. And so emulation helps us get there. My biggest complaint isn't whether to use emulation or not to use emulation. It's that uh, there isn't, you know, Steam is great if you want to play old PC games. You you have a lot of access there. There's not a lot of ways to play old console games legally. And until you make something that's legal and easy and and very accessible, I think it's going to be cut off for a lot of the population. You know, RMAX like what you what you're doing and what we want to do uh to preserve games, those will continue regardless, but for people to actually consume these, and for most people, it will be through emulation, and there needs to be a better delivery mechanism, and there needs to be a way for people to easily a- access that and and tap into it. That's my personal belief, at least I
1: fully agree with that that I think that that is especially the the yearning for simplicity part of what you were saying that there needs to be some sort of We've reached the outer ends of how complicated certain games can be the The importance of having simple games that are just meant that are not overly complicated, where you don't need twelve different controls in order to move your character around the map. I feel like that's very important
3: yeah i you know i I, I hesitate to say it's we're at the outer edge, but I think we're at the outer edge of games that we can play casually and for fun without it being terribly consuming, you know? And I think, and I think that's what people are running into is, is you don't always want to play a single game for the entirety of the year to become, to, yeah. to, to, to reach a level of mastery, or you don't want to have a running to-do list of things
1: I, yeah. that
3: you're supposed, you have a to-do list in your regular life. You know, you don't necessarily want to have notes and, yeah. and to-do lists of things like we all have, we have enough of that. You it, and, and and sometimes you do, right? I always yeah. say people like they made the games that I asked for them to make when I was when I was twelve years old. Yes, like the games that like I asked for. Elden Ring, I I wanted it, yeah, because I asked for it when I was twelve. I wanted a hundred hour plus epic that was like engrossing and and with NPCs that were you know like this is this is what I wanted. Yeah, I just need something different now. And that's and like Elden Ring is this beautiful, amazing game. I, I shouldn't use that as an example because it's it's so well done, but. But like that is the game I wanted when I was young. I don't know that I play it that much because it's not the game that I need at this point in time in my life. And and I use Returnal as an example, also a PS5 game. But it's yeah, it was it's just been a little bit easier to like pick up and move through at a periodic pace and on my own time and with my own energy.
1: Yeah, you can play you can play twenty to thirty minutes at a time.
3: Yeah, I just I always think I'm my big uh, litmus test is if, if when I shut it off if I'm running through like what I need to do while I'm not playing the game or I'm like, Oh, I should go do that. Oh yeah. And I have to go talk to that guy and I have to go do this. That's usually like the energy and the cycles. I don't, I don't have at this point in time. <laughs> You're going turn it off and walk away. Yeah. and be okay to come back to it later. It's, but that's, that's me. That's not, I'm not saying that's, that's everyone, but I think there are probably some people who are looking for that. And I think as like a gaming population continues to get older and, You know pretty soon within the next couple decades the entirety of this nation's population will have grown up with games and you know i I just see that as like a greater need as that the amount of people at those stages of their life continue to expand And, and so i don't think it'll go anywhere and that's what i love about atari games it's just you and the score it's your own personal yeah it's your own personal uh mission that you've set for yourself or where you want to be. Yeah, until your friend logs into it and beats your high score. Well there that's the competitive side, right? That that there it's it's you in the game and also like the community. I think um, you know, in the recharge titles, which we're we're not talking about today, but mm-hmm. what is interesting is like the the high score table is perhaps the thing. Two players simultaneous co-op and the high score list are really the biggest changes. Mm-hmm. And that's probably what uh, I noticed like drives me the most because it's kind of like a personal achievement. Like, Oh, could I just get a little bit better? Could I place yeah. a little bit higher on there? And it's, yeah, it propels me, you know, I don't need to know why I'm shooting the centipedes. I'm just, I'm just in there doing it. Yeah. <laughs> and just do it. I'm, and right, do into the, the I'm right into the best you can. The game. Yeah.
1: Well, uh, Wade, uh, thank you very much for your time. I think that's about all the time we have for this interview, but, um, we will be absolutely having you back on in the future. If you're, um, you're always please, more than welcome please to hop back on to talk about more new exciting things that Atari has planned um, is there anything you want to leave our listeners with?
3: I, not specifically the listeners but I would love to come visit you guys out in Oakland when I'm in town next I'm I'm out there quite a bit
1: yes absolutely we have our new uh, yeah we have our new space opening uh, within a couple weeks um, we are going to be in downtown Oakland, on uh, 10th and Washington, right across from the Oakland Convention Center. Awesome! Uh, at the old Swans Market. Uh, so we're working on uh, the progress of getting that uplo- uh, updated and opened up for everybody to come take a look. And we'd absolutely love to have you guys, uh, love to have you all come down and check us out and see what we're all about
3: yeah next time in Oakland
1: we will keep in touch and uh, until next time thank you very very much Wade for your time That's my pleasure Uh, thanks for having me thank you thank you Wade Rosen again Uh, thank you Atari for coming on the podcast this was uh, this was a, a great interview and
0: absolutely yeah
1: maybe we'll get him by the museum and see what everybody else see what he thinks of it in person so thank you again, everybody at Atari and Wade, for coming on. We also have exciting, I don't know, exciting for me, Kirby. I've been playing Kirby. It's been very fun. I, its It feels exactly like a Kirby game. Yeah, you uh,
2: don't sound like you're having fun just by now saying, maybe I will get a Kirby, but not game.
1: Well, yeah, no, it's like I love it's been a very long time since I've played a Kirby game, but I picked this one up and it's very exciting. You can like the new thing about it, the puzzles feel very Kirby puzzle-esque and I like that. They really kept the feeling of a classic Kirby game. I also started messing around with snipper clips. It's a uh, co-op puzzle game. Oh, where, that's a good one, yeah. You know, it's so much yeah, it's been a it's been a blast. It's a nice couch co-op game. And apparently we didn't we haven't tried it out, but apparently you can go up to four players. And I think that would be an exciting way to play that game again. Also, check out Kirby. He's totally worth it. Mm-hmm. You can level up your different abilities now, too. You can have just different versions of, like, your ice ability. the Your your flame breath ability but has becomes like a volcano when you level it up. The cutter with the boomerangs has, like, chakrams now. So, like, you shoot them twice as fast. And then, yeah, there's a lot of exciting. It's so much fun. Give it a shot. I think that might be all the time we have for this episode unless <laughs> I need to shut up.
2: Um it has been a new season for me in Destiny 2. Oh my god, every single time Destiny 2 have a new season I would just speak like that. And, <laughs> hey, but if anyone from Bungie you're listening, I'm always open for any like collaboration or if you want some promotion <laughs> here just send an email to us and I'm just kidding, but but if you do that, I'll be very happy, like, yeah, I'm just, I'm just generally having fun in, in this game, like, yeah, I love you, Bungie.
1: <laughs> Destiny always seemed like a game that was right up my alley. The first-person shooter aspect kind of turned me off a little bit, but the space exploration and, the like, playing with different people and the whole story behind it was amazing.
2: <laughs> Trust me, you can totally beat the game without shooting a, shoot a gun. You can just throw a hammer, throw a knife, or maybe just oh. snap. Yep. That's right. They got hammers. They it's have a,
1: other weapons that you can slightly use.
2: No, it's just ability. It's a, Because it's a RPG okay. fusion FPS. So yeah. you have skills, you have super, you have class ability, you have grenades. And just throw more grenades and yeah. you'll win the game.
0: Uh, I have been achievement hunting in uh, Dishonored 2. I'm in the middle of my second run. Uh, and it's very slow going because I'm basically going down a checklist of what can I do to get this achievement in this mission uh, I'm having a good time with it uh, I'm doing a high chaos run so I'm just murdering everyone uh, Ooh. it's it's an absolute train wreck a lot of the time because the game doesn't really want you to be, be loud and fight people um <laughs> <laughs> So uh, there's a lot of quick saving and reloading because, you know, I just get into fights that you can't handle. Um, oh. <laughs> but I'm still having a blast with it. It's a great game. Uh, that's that's really the gist of it. If you, you haven't remind, played it, just play it. It reminds me fun. of some
2: people <laughs> who on the YouTube. They just murder every single one in an assassin's Creed and call it an assassination because no one is alive oh, yeah. to see you as mm-hmm. like killing someone. Um.
1: I think that's about all the time we have now. Uh, thank you for listening to the Museum of Art and Digital Entertainment's official podcast. Um, if you have any thoughts, questions, corrections, or general museum
2: ideas, please shoot us an email at info at We'd like to send out a big thank you to everyone who donated recently and to our patient supporters who keep The May afloat. Patreon donors get to listen to this podcast one week before it's released on major streaming services and we continue that with future episodes every week.
0: This week's episode was brought to you in part by Patreon donors Adam Oswald and Eric Bourne. Thank you so much for your support. Until next time, I'm Miles, I'm Chin, and I'm Red. Thanks, and we'll see you next week.